and welcome again to the Wide World of Wargaming Age of Sigmar podcast. As always, we are your hosts, Alex, John, and Garrett. Uh, we are not going to have Jeremy tonight. We do hope all is well with him. Uh, but we are going to be talking a little bit about my experiences against this brand new Lumineth Realm Lords. Jeremy and I were able to get a couple of games in. So, you know, besides my saltiness, we'll definitely talk a little bit about that, even though we do fully intend to give you guys a full and in-depth Battle Tome review very shortly. Um, but we are also going to talk a little bit about some of the new things that we've learned over the weekend, especially that the General's Handbook is a lot sooner than, I guess, uh, we three or four, accounting Jeremy, may have uh, expected. It seems like it's going to be coming out very, very soon. But before we get into all of that, John, what's on your workbench? Hey, hey, Alex, how you doing? How are you doing, my friend? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, since the last time we did a full recording, as everybody listened last week, we just did some mini recordings, a little what's on your workbench. Uh, sorry, guys, we were all kind of uh, pressed for time as well as uh, we did meet, but we talked about other stuff, as you'll learn about later. So uh, since last time we were on, uh, Father's Day rolled around. And my youngest son messaged me and says, hey, dad, uh, do you like Irish whiskey? And I said, yeah, I like Irish whiskey, but I like uh, Japanese whiskey a little bit more. So uh, he came over for Father's Day and uh, grilled up some chops and steaks and uh, also brought me this fine bottle of Kayo Japanese whiskey. And look at this super cool glass. Basically, it's got a mold where the ice fills half the glass up with ice, or the fills half the glass with a wedge of ice, and then the whiskey sits on the other side there. Uh, it's supposed to give me nice, cool whiskey without uh, too much watering. And as you guys remember, over the last couple of episodes, uh, my ice sphere maker was malfunctioning, and I was having to deal with, with broken spheres of ice. So the timing on getting this uh, is perfect. Other than that, uh, so my good friend Israel Sanchez, who we mm. we frequently frequently talk about, you know, one of the uh, top 40k artists. Well, he's been working on a little project for me. Uh, I actually did the conversion work on these guys uh, last December and put them into Israel's queue. And for the last uh, month, actually, he's been uh, slowly working his way through painting. Uh, some Funko Pops for me. So these are the uh, original uh, Marine Funko Pops, and I had them redone. So for example, this Ultramarine guy here who's painted to match the Ultramarines in my Ultramarine army uh, was originally a Blood Angel, uh, but he, of course, we added a power sword and a shield to this guy, some custom green stuff work, as well as some pretty sick freehand from Israel there. Uh, as you'll see in some other pictures. And then uh, there was the Dark Angel, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I converted him to, let me get my head out of the way a little bit there, to be a Dark Angel's chaplain. And I got it in my mind that the uh, Dark Angel's chaplain would be like a, uh, a voodoo witch doctor. So uh, I had Israel paint him to look like it was, you know, supposed to be the skull. It's supposed to be like it's hand painted on there. Uh, so I got my my voodoo witch doctor, dark angels chaplain there. And of course, uh, as we were looking at a second ago, I got this awesome uh, ultramarine, which uh, many will decry the ultramarines, but I myself uh, uh, do enjoy them as they were the first Warhammer army I built, uh, either fantasy 
uh, Age of Sigmar or 40K. So uh, always be dear and near in my heart to those. And then, uh, of course, as I've mentioned over the last several months, uh, I have been working on my own custom chapter, the Johnny Marines. And so I actually took the uh, what was an Ultramarine Intercessor Funko Pop, and then I took this head that was actually the uh, Gladiator Hulk head. So it used to be green, and I did a little uh, conversion swap there. And it was funny, after I did it, because the skin was green, the face was green, I was like, ah, oh, I don't see it. But as I've mentioned before, all my new Johnny Marines have no helmets. Uh, so this, I thought, was a pretty cool way to do the uh, the captain. So uh, that is literally what's been on my workbench. Not my workbench, uh, but my friend Israel's workbench. And it's funny, uh, I, I go to sleep pretty early. You know, I, I'm not a late night guy, but I do get up very early. And Israel, on the other hand, does stay up late working and painting. So every night, late at night, he would start <clears throat> sending me pictures and so for the last month, every day when I've woke up, I've had like a group of pictures that he took from the night before in his painting. So it's like a little treat for me, a little something to look forward to every single morning as he goes through the entire process. And it was a process, you know, these are like vinyl. Um, so like the original glue I had used, the E6000, completely came apart. He had to come up with a different glue to hold them together. Um, the original primer he put on them didn't stick to the vinyl. He actually had to strip them and go in with a more aggressive, uh, uh, you know, uh, solvent-based primer so it would bite into the vinyl more and stick. So uh, it's actually been quite a lot of work to get to this point. So I'm pretty excited about all that. Now, of course, uh, for those of you uh, that are not uh, watching the video, uh, at least check out these beautiful from uh, from Israel, but I'll also be posting them up on Twitter. Just been holding off on the pictures until we got the show recorded and all that good stuff. So by the time you guys hear this, they might be out there. So that is pretty much everything that is on my workbench. Uh, I do have plans to go over my good friend Sean's house on Friday, the day I have off for the 4th of July. <clears throat> and I am gonna play some Warhammer 40K. I'm gonna roll dice. I'm gonna put my little man dollies out on the table and it's gonna be awesome. Uh, Sean usually completely kicks my ass because he plays whack OP lists, but that's okay. I'll be ro rolling dice and having fun and uh, playing with my new Johnny Marines uh, out there. So uh, with that said, uh, Garrett, my friend, what is on your workbench? Um, not a whole lot right now. Um, I've definitely been kind of just dicking around, uh, playing around with my cities and Sylvaneth, just trying to reps in or you know not lose uh focus on how to play warhammer mm. i thought you were just um, gonna say not to lose not to lose um so <laughs> this last weekend um on sunday actually i played uh two games versus james well two half games um he the first game he decided to borrow my sylvaneth because uh, he has had some ideas on how to play some sylvaneth and I brought in a Tyrants of Blood Horn list. And so I actually uh, beat him, but it was beating, you know, my own Sylvaneth. So I don't know if that counts as a win to you, Alex. Um, but I guess technically I am no longer zero in 12. I am one oh, in 15. Sure. Um, nice. And then we played a second game where uh, James brought out the Night Haunt that he's been trying. And uh, he, he got some lucky rolls early on. And so he 
pretty soundedly trounced me. And well, he he got a really good alpha strike off on on the first turn with his Nighthawk, and then I didn't get the double turn. And we're like, yeah, well, that's basically the game because he basically eliminated my thirty Phoenix guard. Uh, I still had half my army off the board with Living City, but ten. But he eliminated my Phoenix guard. I eliminated half of his uh, um, bulk of his army myself. But like because I didn't wasn't able to get the double turn, he would just run away on points and kill the rest of my army. What, now, uh, you say, what uh, was, uh, sorry, what was sorry. his list? Yeah, I was gonna say before you get to when you say uh, an alpha strike from Nighthawk, I kind of want both of your inputs from this, Alex. Is what does that actually mean? Does that mean that he made a bunch of long charges and got the the double attacks in, or am I missing something? What what would alpha striking with a, a non shooty army like that look like? Fish for the ten up. So. You, the half your army can deep strike, so you mm. put all your killy stuff in reserve so you don't have to walk up the board and get shot at, especially against a city's army. Even if it's not living cities, you're still going to have a lot of shooting so, or some semblance of shooting, likely. And so, you know, you put your half your, your, your killy shit in reserve, um, put your little small gibbs, you know, who can jump on objectives, keep them at, in, and then, yeah, you, if he had the cogs, great, then he's got a seven-up charge instead. If he didn't, yeah, you just fish for those sexy, sexy nine-ups because you, all you want is one more. You just want those sexy ten-ups due to out-of-sequence attacks, and then he's already on the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Garrett's already off on the wrong foot in the start of the com uh, combat phase, yeah. And you're re-rolling those charges, right? I wouldn't use them for that, but oh, okay. you can. That's not, actually, that's not actually the alpha strike he did. So if he was hmm. going with the... Um, it's the battalion from the White Dwarf, where it's uh, two units of hex rates, where they get plus one attack on the charge. Two to five units, the Dolores Guard. Yeah, um, and then he can bounce ones off to, um, or off of Olinda onto them as well. Yeah, White um, Olinda was the general. He had Olinda as the general. Um, okay, for for our listeners out there, the Dolores Guard isn't one of the three battalions from the White Dwarf. Uh, it is basically two to five hex rates, so it is the only way that Night Hunt can get all their battle line in from one battalion. They have a lot of battalions that have two units of chain wraps and then a hero or then a hero and change, but it requires two units of 20 rather than two units of 10. And there's no, there's no way to add it. It's not like two or it's not two to five or whatever. So all it is, is you got the two to five units of hex wraiths and you can sh throw any wounds that are sent over to your general only on a two up, go to your, or transfer over to any of the hex wraiths rather mm. than the, the, the hero, the general. So Lady O was the him, general? Yeah, Lady O was the general. For him, importantly, though, um, you get plus one attack on the charge with hex rates. Um, so, uh, and then there's a relic that Nighthaunt have where when a, if a unit starts their move wholly within 12 of the relic bearer, they get plus three inches of movement. Oh. And then he had cogs up. So he actually had his uh, hex wraith move 17 inches down the board. Wow. And, and then with cogs, he was seven inches away. And so he only needed to make a five inch charge because he had cogs up. So he had plus two to his charge rolls. He rolled box cars. So he got his wave of terror off. Um, but funnily enough, his wave of terror actually only killed four Phoenix guards because he rolled really bad. Um, and then in the preceding combat phase, he gave them all an additional plus one attack from the uh, Knight of Shrouds on Steed, so they're at four attacks apiece, and he uh, wiped out all but one Phoenix Guard. Um, so, like, all 30 Phoenix Guard were dead to 
one, basically, essentially one round. I would have been down to five Phoenix Guard if he had not come. So the hex rates went nuts? Yeah. Um, and then he had another unit of 10 hex rates that just secured an objective. And we were playing Border War, and so he basically just took all four objectives turn one, and he got nine points. Um, and then I, uh, I brought in my Fulminators and my Dark Shards uh, um, from Reserve. I made a unit of 30 Dark Shards. And that unit of 30 Dark Shards wiped out, uh, plus a Celestial Hurricanum, wiped out eight out of 10 of one unit of hex raids. And then the Fulminator struck his back line, st trying to steal his back objective. But he sadly passed a few too many um, six up saves and was able to keep five models on the objective for my four Fulminators. And so I wasn't able to steal the back objective. Um, but if I'd been able to get the double turn, Probably still would be screwed because he had his 10 hex raids uh, sitting in the, uh, on my objective. I was able to steal it back because I just had 10 dark shards jump on it and get like five. He had like eight hex raids on it, so I was able to just take it right back. But like I would have been down, like he would have still had a unit of 10 hex raids and I, he would just run away and object because I wouldn't be able to get any guys on the points. But it was an interesting game to see the hex raids just desolate an entire unit of 30 points guard in one go. Um, so that was the second game. So we called it after that. And then after, in the middle of that game, we saw, oh, the General's Handbook's coming out. So we can stop planning for lists now. Yeah, but, but what was the rest of his list? So he had hex rates, Lady uh, O. I mean, he had two units of 10 hex rates. Uh, he had chain guards. He had uh, two units of 20 chain rasps and the Guardian of Souls, Lady O, Reikener, Cogs, and two Night of Shrouds. One on seed and one block. Two Night of Shrouds. Okay. And basically, he needed a hero to hold a, the Ether Course brooch because he has three relics, and he had two unique characters and two non-unique characters, and he he had a vampire lord in it. It's like you can't give allies a relics. He's like, oh, he's yeah, the vampire it. lord. But uh, then he dropped the okay. he dropped the vampire lord for the Knight of Shrouds on foot because you know he's not an ally, so you can give him the Ether Course brooch since he's very vampire happy in that list. So being able to refund your vampires. Nice. Were your fulminators the only ones who? The only the only stormcast in your list? Yeah. Uh I had a Knight Azurus. Oh, got it. Okay. Why? Okay. Oh, because the uh, the spirit torment is cheaper than Guardian or than a Vampire Lord, has the death save, uh slower, doesn't do doesn't bring guys back in the start of every, any of his hero oh. phases. It's the end of each player's battle shock phase. Yeah, um, but it's uh, if you kill at least three stormcast models, you don't even normally you uh, you can if the enemy is lost. You need to kill six models, models, and you need to kill six models in your final well, or you can kill six models. Yeah, so but, it, but normally level. normally you bring back in in your hero phase either D three wounds healed to a friendly night haunt unit within six, or D three models that are one wound each, or like a, a two wound hex rate if you roll a two or a, or a five. Or, four up basically on your D3 roll. But if you fight against Stormcast and kill at least a certain amount of Stormcast models, you don't even roll. It's just gonna, your D3 is considered a three. Yeah, so, but yeah, he, um, uh, but I mean that, that extra hero is kind of was like, the list isn't finalized, but now that we know that um, General's Hammer's yeah. coming out, it's like, there's not even a point in planning up the army anymore. Just wait for the DHB to see what shakes up and see if he, you probably switch to some other character. The Knight of Shrouds on foot wasn't that impressive. We just was like, he owns the, like I, he has the model, whatever. It's not a vampire lord. He can take a brooch. 
Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a common attitude to have this time of year, I think, uh, yeah. with people. It's like coming into the General's Handbook, uh, you know, in, in Age of Sigmar, uh, we're always kind of like, eh, let's wait and see. And then, honestly, uh, as most people know, there's a new edition of 40K coming out. And, of course, uh, on that side of things, it's the same thing. It's like, ah, there's a new new rule set coming out in a month. Why bother with anything? So uh, Yeah, like, list, so list building is super, like, like why bother? Like, I'm not going to make army lists when even, like, 50-point adjustments can change a lot. Yeah, um, a one-point adjustment might and, make your list if you're holding it to the edge, you know, as, as far as that goes. Now, And then there were some things that were leaked <clears throat> from GW that we'll talk about later that actually changed even more about list building for the new, with the new GW. Oh, for sure. So, so hey, there's, we, 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 are, we are missing a presence, right? We're a triangle, not yes. the square that we normally are. And so uh, I, I try to, to compensate. So, uh, so, Alex, what is on your workbench tonight? Oh, thank you for passing it off. <laughs> Uh, oh, 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 sac le bleu, it's my turn. Um, <laughs> oh, we love Jeremy. Uh, yeah, what's on my workbench? Well, uh, I have currently on me, oh, he's very comfortable, but we're going to have to not be comfortable. Uh, I got myself a new addition to my family last week. I got... Oh, what's this? Oh, this is... Oh, look at that. Who's that? This is our, our new kitty. Uh, his name is Pluto. Um, all my cats uh, w with my parents when I was growing up, we always named them after uh, Greek gods. And so mm. you know, we had an Aries and we had a Hermes. And so we were thinking of names for this little guy. And he's a little tuxedo kitty. And, you know, we were thinking of just a whole slew of different names, but I wanted to kind of keep that same, same theme, but kind of make it my own. And so, uh, you know, taking a page from history, you know, <laughs> when has that happened where they took names like that and made it their own. Well, that was the difference between the Greeks and the Romans. So, you know, we were <laughs> nice. thinking of, you know, he's got a lot of dark colors outside of his little socks and his little tuxedo suit. So, you know, we, um, I was thinking of uh, a variety of different underworld based entities in, in Hellenistic mm. mythology, anything from Styx to, uh, you know, to, to uh, Cerberus to, um, you know, well, it, Persephone, but that's not relevant to, you know, <laughs> uh, but, you know, we were thinking of a lot of different things. Uh, Karen, right, uh, Karen, or however you pronounce it, uh, mm -hmm. the, the guy who's, you know, on the boat from the river, uh, in the river sticks. So we were looking at a lot of different stuff, but, um, you know, Hades in uh, Roman was uh, Pluto. So uh, he's our little Pluto. Nice. Very nice. He is very clingy. Very <laughs> He's super cute. cute. How cute yep. is and that? He is gonna, ah, there you go. Yep. Okay. Nice. Maybe oh, if we're lucky, maybe he'll claw your face in the show or something. That'd be awesome. He's, he's, oh, there's his little butthole. Oh, wait, we got to censor that out. We got to censor that out. Okay. For all of our viewers who are, our listeners who are not on uh, YouTube, I definitely recommend checking out our YouTube page and you will see a cute little kitty and maybe it's butthole. But yeah, no, I've already been... I've had some battles goes. You can't see them in here. Yeah. So anyways, uh, outside of that, um, I still have my Necrons that I'm trying to do test schemes on. I quite frankly have not done much progress in terms of painting, especially when it comes to the Crons, just because I am attempting to, well, the weather hasn't been nice, so it hasn't really been priming weather yet, or at least when it is, it's not the time that I can actually prime or have the ability to do so. So I'm kind of waiting, holding off, and then I'm going to try that out pretty soon. 
And then, oh, he's back there. And of course, you don't have access to that quality Osh primer up there that you could, in fact, shoot. No, we had an orchard. Night. We had an orchard right down the street. We were such regulars when we first moved to our current apartment. They're like, "Oh, it's you guys again." Uh, yeah, but it's but, it's gone. But it's gone for good. Yeah, I know. It breaks my heart. It does. I walk by the spray paint each time, and I never got the primer. I was such a mistake. I have six cans left. <sighs> it's okay. Uh, anyways, I'll sell you uh, one for did... fifty bucks. Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. Anyways, uh, you know, out, outside of that, outside of the little new addition, uh, not a lot is on my workbench because of General's Handbook as well. Uh, I did get a couple of games in with Jeremy, and you know, we are going to do, as I talked about at the start of the episode, a full and in-depth battle tome review for Lumineth, since we currently, some of us do have the book on hand, but we're going to have to wait. We really want Jeremy to do that because even though Jeremy, yeah. if, if competitive uh, AOS does even continue to be a thing, he is getting into stuff he should not be getting into. Um, even if competitive AOS becomes a thing again this year at all, or, or this ITC season at all, um, he's not really planning on playing Lumineth, or at least he's not really planning on playing Lumineth. Uh, he, he said, yo, I am going, ha oh, ha, I am going to play my Caradon Overlords. Um, but that's, sure. that's, yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll see okay. what happens. You know, and, okay. and as you guys know, I, I actually bought the, the Lumineth starter set as well. And uh, I, I was, you know, at work earlier today and I hopped online and my good buddy Ruckman and my good buddy Sonny, they both got their Lumineth sets today and, and they live in my area. I'm like, oh yes, I'm going to go home and my new Lumineth box set's gonna be waiting for me when I get home. I'm gonna have the Battle Tome in hand. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, and I see it arrives next Monday. So uh, next show, we'll, we'll all be talking about that. But oh, Alex, uh, it, if I understand things correctly, you guys uh, got uh, perhaps an advanced copy or, or saw some, uh, used uh, the, the powers of the, uh, the warp to, uh, uh, of chaos to, to get a, a future view of this tome that's coming out. So when it comes to uh, the the uh, game, of course, um, it was nothing but salt. Uh, we were we we did put it on Twitch. We got a little kitty licking it. Um, however, um, it's not worth watching. I'm really glad he doesn't record it. Uh, there were a couple of things that just became very frustrating in that game. Uh, first of which was my fault. I totally forgot how you score objectives. So it was great to get a little refresher and realize that uh, I had no idea what I was doing because I haven't played in a few months. Um, one of which was, you know, I thought that at the end of each player turn, we just, all, if as long as it, like your models are within six inches of your objective, great, you have those. Mine are now within six inches of mine, great, I have mine. Uh, you know what, it's been a few months, totally didn't realize that that is absolutely not how you play it. So I had kind of lost on deployment but you know, when it, yeah, so that was real fun. Uh, but, you know, he played a different list. Um, you know, we can, of course, go through the Battle Tome review, as John mentioned, at a later date. Um, but what we're going to do, or what, what, what really happened was I was, you know, not aware of some of the things that, you know, Lumineth could do. And part of it was my fault because we, we had, yes, we did have access to the book, but, I didn't read through all of it. So I didn't read through all the spell tones, which was really big. But so, you were playing Lumineth. Jeremy was though, right? Jeremy was playing Lumineth. I was going to play my Night Haunt, but he did not have, he had his Night Haunt army, but he, he, I realized he didn't have Herodons because he gave me his Herodons. And I <laughs> had used Herodons because he gave me them. So um, he 
so I just was like, screw it. I don't want to, he was already playing an entire army of proxies. Um, his sentinels, his luminous sentinels were all the, or two units of 10 were made up of the, uh, what, what are they called? The thralls. The are, se- are sentinels thralls. the spearmen or are they the archers? <sighs> I don't remember. Uh, the, the, the bow thralls, um, the bow two units of 10. Okay. And then the third unit of 10 sentinels was actually uh, Blood Warriors of Corn. Uh, pr- uh, un- unpainted, unprimed Blood Warriors of Corn. And then his war- well, we, uh, we appreciate that you, you put up with the proxies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so outside of that, he had two units of 10 and one unit of 20 wardens, which are the guys with the obscenely long spears. However, this, uh, you know, of course, no one has the Luminous models yet, or he didn't have his Luminous models yet. Uh, some of our listeners might already be getting theirs. As you mentioned, John, you're anticipating yours. But, uh, you know, he had the uh, non, uh, he had the, the close combat thralls from Deepkin as his two units of 10. And then his unit of 20 wardens was a mix of, and uh, get this, it was a mix of the close combat thralls in addition to Primaris intercessors. So uh, it was pretty easy to figure out. Uh, then he had a uh, the Visark uh, from Yanari as the uh, stone mage character. Uh, why can't I think of it? The stone name? mountain bolt is that stone? No, uh, not- no the dude the dude sitting on a stone chair. Up oh, the air. oh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Stone wizard. Specifically, uh, his name is the Alareth Stone Mage, mm. and then he had. He had something else on a 32 mil base that counted as the, I, I still can't really pronounce their names correctly. It is the, um, I think, no, it's just the Cathalar, 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 the Sinkari Cathalar, um, which is like the sad weeping uh, lady model. Um, spellcaster, but it's the spellcaster that specifically has the, uh, the speci- or can be used primarily in the non-mountain people. Uh, keyword. So he had that army uh, all together and he had Teclas to put tie it all in. And with Teclas, uh, we didn't know what base size he was. We were thinking he's either on a 100 mil base or circle or he's on maybe a 120 mil circle or something like that. So he just used Nagash. So Nagash was Teclas. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big base. Uh, we don't know if that's the actual base size. I would actually be shocked if he's smaller because of how the model looks but who knows but yeah he he brought the army it narr- it just kicked the crap out of me um partially because of again as i mentioned i totally screwed up and forgot major portions of the rules so i'm gonna have to <laughs> study back up again but in addition to that he uh you know he rolled very hot in the beginning i told him screw that you can't use the same dice as you did in our first game uh, but he used you know, his ETC dice, his frontline gaming dice, and he started to roll a lot more average. However, <clears throat> he was rolling a lot of mortal wounds. And that's the thing that I wanted to talk to you guys today about before we get into General's Handbook, because I, I don't know how to describe it. I, I feel like this army is not great for the game because, not because of my own salt, um, because I, I mean, I could have brought my night hunt, and I still want to see how Luminous will deal with armies that do out of sequence attacks, like 
Gristle, uh, like striking first with Gristle Gore, um, uh, Slanesh, you know, with keepers, as well as Night Hunt with their fishing for 10 ups, like we talked about earlier. Um, but they have an attrition game like Fire Slayers. Uh, they're not as fast as Fire Slayers because if you want to put them in their shield formation, um, the or, or the uh, sparkling wall company, or whatever. The, uh, yeah, yeah, the 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 uh, gleaming company, sparkling company, golden company, something like that. Where you know, if you're if uh, if your if each model is touching base to base with at least two other models, uh, they are minus you are minus one to hit them. So you know, if you do that, that's very helpful for them, but they can't run and they can't charge and they all only have a six inch move except for techless who's got a 12 and the riders that have a, a four or a 14 inch move so they're not fast they're the slowest elves available but uh, they're just they're just great they're they're fantastic you know they are all uh, they're all wizards you know like we talked about they all have some sort of or at least the main body of the army all have sun metal weapons um they all have their aether courts he specifically used a household um, that is the Sire nation and the Sire nation in uh, you start the battle oh no, no my apologies the Sire nation was our first game where you count as having two aether courts rather than one uh he instead was using the, uh, he called it the America one. He thinks it's based on America. Um, but it's the Ymetrica, Y-M-E-T-R-I-C-A. Um, so he used that army. And their army is, the they have the Enduring Rock Battle trait, which changes the rend characteristic of attacks that target the unit. Um, you know what? My apologies. That is not, it, basically, he used the, the nation that is, uh, my apologies, my cat just made a mess. Uh, he used a nation that made everyone bravery plus two, which really meant that my night hunt actually wasn't going to be as effective because all of his troops are primarily bravery six. So my intention was interesting. To, um, yes. So my intention was to bring the night hunt in close, and you know when they're close by, uh, they're you know that means that you're now a bravery characteristic of five, uh, which means that if you're within three inches of the heritage, you are minus one to hit. So I know that. Sun metal weapons are still going to be fives and sixes unmodified, but you know the fours won't attack, or maybe Teclis won't be able to attack very well with his attacks. So I was trying to like hedge my bets, but mainly also make sure that I can screw with the uh, uh, the Sentinels if I could get into combat with them and make them hit less, but uh, because they hit on threes or fours. But he, you know, the Sentinels. I, I just want to go through a few points here. Uh, the first one is if you don't get Teclis, if you don't Alpha Strike Techless with shooting. Um, he will have the appropriate ability to bubble wrap. I was mistaken. And he will be able to give himself, uh, ignore ignore uh, the opponent's rend characteristic. The opponent's rend characteristic. Mm. He'll then be able to use the ring endless spell, which can give him plus one armor save. So he'll have a, a plus one armor save from that. Then he'll give himself plus one armor save. Uh, I, I forgot whether or not it's the Aether Quartz or, or another spell that gives him that. So he'll be a two-up armor save, ignoring your rend, and then he'll have his five-up shrug save, which comes from a spell as well. So he'll have a two-up re-rolling because, oh yeah, it is, it is an ability that gives him the, the plus one armor save. So basically, he'll have a plus one, a two-up armor save, re-rolling ones because the Aether Quartz are a command point, and then he'll have his five-up shrug. Very hard to move. And... First, he, and then you got to get to him, which is the problem. But 
in addition to that, the Sentinels are just, the Sentinels have, you know, their 18 inch range with minus one rend or be no rend and be 30 inches and not need line of sight. That's pretty helpful, especially because you're not really fishing for your minus ones to hit with only one shot each. You're looking for your sun metal weapons to go off and cause- Well, there's still sun metal weapons, the bows are? Oh, I thought it was their melee. Oh, interesting. Okay. So when, when you have a bunch of guys with sun metal weapons or with the 30 inch range guys, you have 30 of them. Uh, technically mid game, he actually realized that the previous game and that game, he had misplayed them because we didn't realize that with the actual Sentinel unit, the squad leader doesn't have a bow. No. Nope. Squad leader's got something a lot more cute. Um, <laughs> Kitten's a little cute too. Uh, he's very crybaby. Um, he, so the sun metal weapons uh, for that, you know, it's just the same as we talked about. Oh, you know what? You hit on a four instead of hitting on a three with your uh, lofted version of the shots. And it has no red. Well, you're fishing for mortal wounds, so who cares? You're fishing for mortal wounds, so who cares? Exactly. And then the champion has just a blade um, and bow, and a, uh, but they can have a, instead of carrying a blade and a bow, like the Sentinels, they have a Skyhawk lantern. And the Skyhawk the lantern. lantern. Yeah, so at the start of your shooting phase, you can pick one enemy unit within 30 inches. So as long as the, the, the Aurelian bows, and, uh, and uh, it, it, you can pick one and it doesn't need to be visible to them. If you do so, you choose the lofted missile weapon uh, in, in that phase. And um, So that's what gives you the, the ability to shoot stuff that you can't see is the lantern. So if you, exactly. if you, if you don't take a commander and go for the extra shot, then you can't shoot stuff you can't see. Yeah, that's just exactly. a nice little trade-off there. <clears throat> yeah, so, so, you know, he basically had 27 shots instead. But, you know, if you focus all those on something, you're gonna kill something. You know, you're, he, he at first was rolling very hot, and as I told you guys, you know, he, when you roll like 75% up, five ups, like you're gonna nuke everything. But you might be thinking, and our listeners might be thinking too, you know, you can't always pass Sun Metal Weapons. You know, it's, it's a six to cast, which is great, but you're not always going to be casting it. And this is actually something that probably frustrated me the most, right? And this is their endless spells. Mm. And I tried my best to read word for word, base for base, to see if there was something that was different. Um, and the thing is written in a way where rules is written, it is 100% legal to be a little goofy with it, but it might not be have been the, the intention of the rules writers. Um, before I dive into that, though, I do want to tell you that he was also using the uh, a, a battalion. He was using the Aurelian Legion Battalion, which is the Calathar, and then two to four units of either Yanari Aurelian Sentinels or equal numbers of Wardens, so Sentinels or Wardens. Um, and or it says an equal number of sentinels and equal number of wardens so he had three units of sentinels and three units of wardens and you can reroll save rolls of one for attacks that target friendly units from that battalion if they're within three inches of any other unit from that battalion i'm guessing the battalion oh. mainly is to get an extra relic and be less drops but also everyone's got mystic shield yes mm. which which you can use an aether quartz in the start of your combat phase to reroll ones for armor saves anyways so you're now saving yourself uh, an aether quartz yeah. or something else so the thing the spell he used it, he had the sanctum of a mintok which was he didn't need to use it which is the one where he can get a say uh he can have better save right 
um, for, for Teclas, but he had the Haitian twin, twin sons. And it, it casts on a seven, but when you have Teclas, you can either so choose to auto-cast one spell, make two spells go off on a 12, or four go off on a 10. So he picked and chose where he needed to, because I deployed in a way where I only had one unbind. And uh, so, you know, I think he did the four of 10. But he, you know, he did a lot of different things with it. So it's, uh, it can move up to eight inches and it can fly, but you don't need to move with it. Um, you know, it's got a rule called reservoir of power. So when this model is set up, you place a D6 beside it with one, with the one pit facing up. Each time a spell is successfully cast by a unit within 12 inches of this model and is not unbound, after the effect of the spell has been resolved, increase the value of the dice besides the model by one to a maximum of six. So one to six, but it starts off at one. If a Lumineth Realm Lord Wizard attempts to cast a spell while they're within 12 inches of this model before making the casting roll, uh, the player control... Uh, the, the player controlling that wizard can say that they will draw on the power of the twin stones. If they do so, add the value to the dice beside the model for the casting roll. Then after the effects of the spell have been resolved, change the value of that dice, uh, the dice of the model back to one. So do you guys see how that can be a little <laughs> frustrating? Well, basically you cast it with Teclas, it goes to a one. Um, then you cast a second spell with Teclas to go to a two, use it with a to get plus two to casting, so you only need to roll fours to go off, it goes back to a one, cast another spell with Teclas, it goes up to a two again, then use it again, to, uh, cast your in, empowered light weapons, goes back to a one, because you're at plus two, then cast your third spell with Teclas, and then use it uh, your light weapons again with plus two, and it goes back to a one, right? Is that essentially yeah. what happened? Yes. So Teclas is just constantly keeping, like, you go, Teclas casts a spell, so it goes to a two. Someone use the two plus two. Because you only need a plus two to casting when you need a six to go off. It's, I mean, yeah, you can roll a, a two or a three. That's a, like, ridiculously low chance to roll a one, a two, double ones, a one or a two or a two and a one. Exactly, like but here's the thing. And he didn't play it this way, but here's the thing. And, John, uh, let me know what you think of this. I gave you guys the word-for-word -word description of the Haitian Twin Stones. Uh, Reservoir of Power, it says in the very final sentence, when you start adding levels, right? Um, increase the value of the dice besides the model by one to a maximum of six. And that's after the effects of the spell have been resolved. But then also after the effects of the spell have been resolved, you change the value of the dice besides the model back to one. Which means that essentially in your turn when you're casting spells, it goes down to one, but then goes up to two. I mean, yeah. Like I think Garrett laid it out pretty clearly. Well, no. Yeah. Alex is saying that as you use, so it's at a two, for example. Teclas casts it, goes to one, then casts a spell, goes to a two. Okay. So, so unit so, uses it and uses the plus two, and then he says it goes back to a one because I used it. Oh, then I just successfully cast a spell. It immediately goes to a two. You don't even need Teclas to cast a spell. Oh. It goes back to a two. Oh. Anytime somebody uses it, it doesn't go to a one. It goes to a two. Yeah, because oh, it's supposed happens. to go to a one. Because but it, it goes says to a two after the effects of casting a spell. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So when both effects happen at the same time, we already know from general rules and FAQs and, and designer commentary that the player's turn, the player the controlling player's turn does order of operations. And these effects of going back to one and then also going up in level happen at the exact same time 
after the effects of the spell have been resolved. I, so, that's, that's an easier rata. Um, yeah, easier and, rata. and you, always, you always choose on the, the error of the less powerful of the two yeah. options. Yeah, so he didn't so, use it against me. But, so he wasn't just a natural plus one instead of a plus two. But, you know, that just made Sun Metal Weapons easier to cast, especially when I only had three unbinds. So. I mean, well, the, the funny thing is, is that, like, even if they do change it where it goes as intended, with Teclas casting four spells a turn, you can always just use Teclas's auto 10 to bump it up to a two and then use it, go to a one Teclas. Like even as intended, you're still probably going to be casting all of your sun metal, or at least three to four of them at plus two with no issues. Cause Teclas is auto casting spells on a 10. Those are going to go off. And you have to cast sun metal on yourself, right? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> I think, or it might be like horrors where you can, you cast it on a unit. No, it's, so so um, the verbiage of all sun metal weapons, uh, thankfully, it is very kind of succinct. Um, you know, with, with sun metal weapons, they, it specifically says for any unit um, with, with sun metal weapons that they have the ability, uh, if a sun metal, uh, or, or my apologies, um, it's, it's specifically a spell called the power of Hish. So sun metal weapons is a part of their abilities. But uh, Power of Hish, because uh, Sun Metal Weapons is a natural ability that all these guys have. And it just says, on an unmodified six, the attack inflicts one mortal wound on the target and the sequence ends. Um, the Power of Hish makes it a five or a six. And it says... But it targets the uh, caster specifically. You can't target someone who has Sun Metal Weapons. It's only, it says the caster's Sun Metal Weapons get plus, get the extra. Yeah. And the so Hammer Guys, Cow Guys don't have Sun Metal Weapons, which is good. But <laughs> he, uh, so, so, but here's the thing. So what made me basically like lose all hope for this army being not fuck shit was not only the fact that like he didn't bring the light of Ethereon, who's a mini go track, which is fine. But with being the plus two bravery, he, he can save himself from, from bravery shenanigans. But what really hurt was uh, one of the main allegiance abilities of, the, of any Realm Lord book is you know you have the aether quartz reserve which mean, which is um you know you start with one and there's a nation that where everyone starts with two instead and it's basically aether or, or aether gold but um you know uh you you start off with one unless you're a particular nation and you only get one for each unit and you can start in any phase and one of them is uh at the start of any phase that you think it's going to be relevant you have to declare it any phase or is that in your phase any phase um, but, but it's relevant to that phase. It's got to be the start that you declare it. And so one of them is reroll save rolls of one, hit rolls of one, uh, plus one to casting or reroll casting. And then you can count, if you're a spellcaster, you can use one to cast one extra spell. It, it's, it's not reroll saves of one. You get plus one to your save rolls. Yeah, oh, that's apologies. different. It is add one. It is add one to the save Yeah, rolls. and then there's, high, so there's heightened reflexes, add plus one to your save rolls when you're targeted by an attack. Heightened senses add one to your hit rolls when you choose to shoot or fight. Uh, that you can get add a uh, plus one to casting or reroll the casting when you choose to cast a spell, or you can choose to cast an extra spell. Yes, and in addition to that, four you can do. Even beyond talking about two, like their activate twice mechanic, the thing that was really screwy was, and, and he warned me ahead of time, and he talked to us about it in our previous episodes. But, you know, there's an ability that gives, that basically turns his army into old 6th edition Harlequins, which was very, um, 
it just it's just a feel bad army, right? Like you actually feel bad as the opponent playing it, right? Unless you're like maybe drunk or wasted. So I'm gonna give you guys this combo real quick. Um, and Jeremy can of course elaborate on it more uh, during his, his next uh, participation. So uh, next episode, he'll be able to give us a full and complete breakdown. But there's an ability called Absorb Despair that all Realm Lord armies have. And it says that a friendly, if a friendly unit uses their Aether Quartz Reserve while it's wholly within 18 inches of any friendly uh, Kalathar, you know, the spellcaster, the sad girl, um, then any friendly Kalathar, or, or any friendly Kalathar, you can pick one of the Kalathar within 18 inches of that unit and say that they will absorb negative energy. A Kalathar right. cannot absorb negative energy more than once per phase. If a Kalathar absorbs the negative energy from a friendly unit, do not, so, so normally when you use your Aether Quartz, uh, you use your Aether Quartz and you're permanently minus one bravery for the rest of the game. So I'll just add that little quip in there. Um, instead of, uh, if, if your Kalathar nearby absorbs energy from a unit using Aether Quartz, instead of subtracting one from that unit's bravery characteristic, you can pick an enemy unit within 18 inches of the Kalathar. And if you do so, subtract one from the bravery characteristic of that enemy unit for the rest of the battle instead. Wow. So like, same it, yeah, it's, instead of you getting the debuff of using your massive power, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to make the enemy also debuff. Yes, because you have a cheap spellcaster nearby. Um, so, so that's the ability, that's absorbed. And again, this is just a battle trait for Illuminate uh, Allegiance. Yeah, that's, that's not even, that's so, just battle trait in general for, that's not a specific yeah. nation. That's just all, always. Can you stack that? Can you like take No, it, speci it specifies that a unit can only be drained once per game. Okay. So here's the thing. So then at least cover that base. <laughs> he, he also had, you know, one of the, the mountain wizard, the guy who's meditating, right? And the meditating uh, guy has, uh, you know, he, he's got some, he had some fun spells, right? He had one called Voice of the Mountains, okay? Voice of the Mountains is casting value six. If it's successfully cast, you uh, subtract two from the bravery characteristic of enemy units. It just says, Voice of the Mountains is casting value six, if successfully cast, until the end of the turn, subtract two from the bravery characteristic of enemy units, period. Then until the next hero phase, subtract one from the bravery characteristics of enemy units instead. It doesn't stay within a radius. So Jeremy said, this is table wide. <laughs> so it's, it's two and then it turns into a one. We didn't even play yeah. it that way. We played it as a constant two. So I need to remember that. But this is the final little linchpin, right? So, so. Classic Jeremy, misreading rules and cheating your ass. <laughs> I mean, he kept on, he kept on casting it. So it's fine. It's fine. Uh, he, he cast another spell, right? Which is, which one was it? Hold on. It's, hold on. It's gotta be a mountain spell. Oh, is it the crippling vertigo where you roll 2d6 and if it beats their bravery and you roll every time they move, charge move, or yep. violent move, they can't crippling do it? Crippling vertigo has a casting value of 6. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit wholly within 18 inches of the caster invisible to them until your next hero phase roll 2d6. The player, the Lumineth player rolls 2d6 before that unit attempts to make a normal move. A charge so normal move. move, charge move, or a pile in move. And if you beat their bravery, they can't move. 
Thank you, Gary. You took the words right out of my mouth. Is that unmodified bravery, or is that count for uh, with bravery buffs they would get too? Is there bravery uh, characteristic, bravery which has now been removed by three? Yeah, so it is your modified bravery. Modified bravery. So I'm, what I'm more getting at is like when you have a 10 or 20 in the unit, is that count as no, a plus so one? The, the, 10, the 10 or 20 unit doesn't modify your bravery. You get bonuses to your bravery when making bravery checks. Ah, uh, uh, okay. So yeah, the, the, the bravery buffs that you get in a large squad is only when you have to take battle shock. Got yeah. you. So the only thing that would help you is like an aura effect from a character. Or a banner or something like that. Yeah, like Gerthu's aura or like a Blood Warrior banner or things that like generally give just a base bravery buff. So uh, some pretty at, powerful stuff. So as the game goes on, your Calathars are now reducing enemy bravery once per phase and maybe stacking it in, in subsequent phases. And then your your mountain guy is then making things constant. Like all he has to do is re-up the spell. And it doesn't become two, then one. It just constantly. Well, no, it is. does. It does become one because it's two until the end of the Lumineth player's turn. So when it's your turn, when you're making charge moves, it's a one. Mm, Jeremy cheated me. Everything is null and void. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like. It, well, it, no, it doesn't it, matter because you said he won because you sucked at deployment and he yes. ran, rolled fives and sixes all day and got killed with mortal wounds, which, in my opinion, doesn't declare anything good about the army. It just says that you know you suck and he's yes. lucky. It doesn't matter what armies are playing. If that's the situation, one guy loses, one wins. <laughs> watching Jeremy play uh, Carriage and Overlords, he has a tendency to uh, misread rules, either to his detriment or his benefit. He just happens to like, oversimplify <laughs> rules sometimes. You should tell, you should tell then, him that next episode. It would be... Yeah, I will. You like, will? I okay. remember every time he was playing Carriage and Overlords and I was like watching the stream, I'm like, Jeremy, that's not how that works. And he's like... Oh, I'm wrong. And I'm like, yeah, Jeremy, you were. Oh, boy. He's you're, wrong you're, like You're four shattering times. the man's reputation. So, so four times the playing KO. Truly, <laughs> we, we, we came to the point where it's like a 10-man uh, unit has 20 attacks for your, um, your wardens. And uh, 20 attacks, hitting on fours, winning on threes, or hitting on threes, winning on threes, um, with the minus one if the opponent charged. And... Yeah, or no, hitting on threes, winning on fours, or hitting on threes and winning on threes to, uh, with a minus one if, if they got charged. And, you know, you're, he's dishing out with Sun Metal Weapons and uh, the uh, Power of Hyash going off. You're dishing out eight mortal wounds, and it's, it's, it's really, really great. It's, it's fantastic. But it's also, in my opinion, breaking the game. It, it is, I, I, like I said, I, I don't know how Nighthaunt work with it. I don't know how Slanesh or Always Strikes First or Vanguard style, um, you know, like our friend Jack. I don't know how Shoot Cast Army is going to work. I don't know how, um, uh, blah, 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 blah. what's the word I'm looking well, for? Well, sure. We just, we got a snapshot though. We at least got a little preview, a little snapshot, an idea of some of the shenanigans that are going on. And uh, honestly, we know how it is. Let the book, new book come out. There's the initial shenanigans. And then there's what people figure out a month later. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have, we're gonna go through a full and uh, complete breakdown in our next episode, guys. But for now, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I have already been looking up Macedonian Alexandrian color schemes because I if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, we also have, of course, the General's Handbook that's just around the corner. And Luminous, obviously, Wait, not is that what those pictures were the other day that you sent? The tiles, the, the ancient pictures. Was that supposed to be Alexandrian color schemes? I don't Never know. mind. 
No, oh, never. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't remember. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, you know, we mentioned at the start of the episode that we were going to talk a little bit about the General's Handbook. And of course, Luminate, they're not going to be a part of the General's Handbook, but almost every book might be. And then remember, last year we had an FAQ two weeks later that actually addressed books that were within six inches or six, six inches, six months of the recording. So, you know, <clears throat> we're probably going to get a lot of things addressed, but, you know, John, tell what, what was some of the announcements that happened recently this weekend and today regarding General's Handbook? Sure, sure. So, um, like everybody, uh, I get uh, GW announcements in my email. So, uh, looking at these releases, it's kind of the first thing I hit in the morning, uh, whatever it is, 40K, Age of Sigmar. So, uh, without going through the whole thing, uh, we, of course, have a look at the table of contents. And my uh, savvy co-hosts probably have noticed a few things on these. Uh, I, myself, uh, did notice that under match play, we do have the coalition matrix but i think that that is going to be more for a uh, multiplayer game so we'll see how that goes and i noticed that there is also a match play uh, auxiliary objectives uh, so those are two things that caught my eye and of course there's a great video i start to watch the video and i see the legend uh, the man the myth jervis johnson come on a uh, seminal rules writer for gw uh, uh, responsible for so many, many good editions and rules of, of multiple games. And he comes out, and what does he say? I've been working on open play. <laughs> and goes on to talk about how he's created an open play game with flying units, and you can have some kind of dog fights, and they level up and have your whole aerial fantasy. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, oh no. <laughs> So I don't know if I'll get a chance to play the aerial battles, open play uh, portion of, of the book. <laughs> yeah, the skies of slaughter. Not sure if I'll be able to to pull that off, but the rest of it looks amazing. Uh, what did you What did you guys notice uh, in the, the the release? So yes, I I have noticed a couple of things. The one thing that did stick out to me was the matched play auxiliary objectives. So right? in previous tournaments we had what was called hidden agendas or an attempt to add secondary missions to the game to help differentiate between just a major and minor victory. Um, and one of the main problems that me and many others had was the hidden part of hidden agendas. So I am intrigued by the idea of auxiliary objectives. Also, hidden agendas were part of, I believe, open play in the last General's Handbook. And so right. now that these are actually called out as specifically matched play auxiliary agendas uh that is very uh i, I like the i am very intrigued i not, like not even agendas they're, they're they're specifically oh, objectives objectives right? yeah yeah so is, now is this new terminology have we heard the word auxiliary applied mm -hmm. to any kind of secondaries and the only thing i can think of is with ninth edition 40k they're talking about secondaries and other mm. types of objectives, they but might not auxiliary. Called, yeah. They might call them auxiliary just to um, stay away from the terminology of the non-GW tournaments scene, where they have been called secondaries. So the colloquial term might be secondary, but the GW official term might be auxiliary. Oh. Don't know. I'm massively speculating. Um, there, I'm pulling that out of my ass, but it's a thought I had when I saw auxiliary. It's just like, they don't want to use the word secondary because that's what all the tournaments use that aren't run by GWs. So they pulled auxiliary out of their ass to be different. Um, 
The other thing that I noticed was there are two new battle plans and two missing battle plans oh. that we've seen out of uh, previous General's Handbooks. So uh, I look here and I go, hmm, forcing the hand. That sounds intriguing. And then uh, what was the other one? The Blade's Edge. Those are all new match play. Those are two new match play battle uh, plans. They have the same Knife to the Heart, Total Conquest, Battle from Pass. Uh, the two that are missing are Duality of Death, John's favorite, unfortunately, oh. and then uh, Relocation Orb. Which is no one everyone's is, least uh, favorite. Yeah, everyone's no one like, misses that. No one, there are a few people who miss that, and everyone's like, shame on you. Uh, well, I'm intrigued so, to see what these new missions are. Uh, the other thing that is in here is six pages of rules from page 102 to 108 called Realm of Battle Rules in the Matched Play section. Hmm. And some uh, sneaky individuals in some of the videos that have been coming out, they saw screenshots of some of the Realm of Battle Rules. In particular, the uh, Akshi Rules and the Chaman Rules. Oh, is that so, where that came from? Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, this has been causing quite a stir because what it looks like is they are eliminating re uh, the Realm of Battle rules from the core rulebook and the Malign Sorcery. Well, they're basically saying for matched play games, don't use Malign Sorcery for Realm of Battle for the realms, and don't use, use these instead for realms. Use these instead. And what these are is you get there is one spell, just one, like actually has Fireball. Um, there is one relic. So if you are from Akshi, there is one relic option, not 12. Oh, um, wow. There is, and then they come with a command ability, and they come with one Realmscape feature. Akshi only has one Realmscape feature. If you're playing in Akshi, Akshi, all uh, scenery, including faction scenery, has the volcanic uh, feature as well. Whoa, so okay. What, so if you play in Akshi, everything's volcanic, period. Like that's, that is what happens when you play this. There's not six options. There's no like nothing happens or mm -hmm. weapons have extra rend or flying people burn in the skies. No, no, no. None <laughs> of that is true. It's or just you always, or, or, or it's always the one on the ground, but you keep on pretending like it's the one that hurts your army. That's, yeah. 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 Um, the for for one like that, nine months. Yeah. The one that mm -hmm. caught my eye was in the realm of metal, Chaman. Uh, the realm spell is add plus one save to a unit. I'm like, oh God, this is Mystic Shield 1.0 all over again. Everyone's oh. going to have ac access to just stat, well, like in addition to all of these other save mechanics that we have. I'm like, I'm remembering the days when you're like having two Lord Castellans plus Mystic Shield to give a zero up save to units with no problems. Nighthawk will make so much use of this. Yeah, a lot of I, armies have three up saves available. Yeah, like it's like well, this now I'm like my one thing with Manfred because I played Manfred back in 1.0 and I was like I just cast Mystic Shield on him every turn so he had a three up save and he performed actually quite admirably. His 420 <clears throat> point point cost wasn't a problem. The moment they got rid of the plus one save on Mystic Shield, I was like, well, Manfred's gone. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be interesting with the new. I I didn't check what Fireball did or it might be cut off and I wasn't able to read it, but uh, just off. seeing that. Uh, but it's the each realm will only have one spell, and each realm will only have one artifact. So that should stream. And I think they mentioned it in the video that they're saying the new realms basically are, it's going to be a more predictable game, and so you can plan your army 
more easily around the realms rather than being random for competitive play. Hmm, so that's interesting. a huge, like, I know that realm spells have been a um, very contentious issue of coast to coast. Like us on the East Coast, we've gone full realm spells, no problem. Over on the West Coast, they've been very resistant to any realm spells at all. And then uh, Texas. And then uh, in some areas like uh, Texas and um, Oklahoma, they've like had one spell per realm available, just picking, you know, the one. Or people so John can, did too? John's yeah, events, uh, John, John, John yeah. your events yourself, you had a simplified version of Malign Sorcery. It worked great. People loved it. Yeah. Or so, the, the, other, the other one I saw was uh, when you are, if your army is from Akshi, you can take spells from Akshi as if it was a lore for your wizards. I've seen a lot, and I've not been happy with any of them, I'm going to be honest. Like, just realm spells were hard to balance. Um, so only having one spell per realm is just like, if you're in, I, I like the idea that it, it's going to be a lot easier to like choose what realm you're in per round because it's oh, not that, think, it's going to be very predictable. If think about how broken a Lumineth army would be in the realm of Ashgui when they can use an Aether Quartz, Sun Metal Weapons themselves, uh, a unit of 20 Wardens can Sun Metal Weapons themselves, and then for an Aether Quartz, cast a different, another spell, and then they cast um, Inferno Blades. Double damage. Well, luckily, well, luckily uh, the the double da the um, sun metal weapons would actually be worse with double damage because having two damage weapons, if you hit a five, that'd be one mortal wound and it'd stop the attack. And you you're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. But yeah, it's just yeah, it's, this right. is going to be interesting. I, I like this idea of just really streamlining the realm rules. Um, so I think it's going to be very positive. The other thing that I like is. The other realm rules, like Malign Sorcery and the core rulebooks, they still exist. These are just realm rules for match play, and they're in the General's Handbook, which means year by year, they can change the realm rules to rebalance them every year. So realm artifacts and realm spells can be rebalanced every year without just sitting in this supplement book that'll never change anymore, or a core rulebook that they can't change until a new edition. Now realm rules have, we can use the General's Handbook to constantly morph our meta, and every year, change things. And I like that. Like that's, that's something that when I was, before this general handbook came out, I was actually talking to my brother and it's like, they should just move round rules into the general handbook. And then they did. I was like, yeah. Great. It was, it's clunky the way you had to deal with it before. Like the malign sorcery book was kind of almost useless. I don't know. So a, a little bit more unified presentation at least makes it easier. But the, the key thing is they aren't getting rid of malign sorcery because if they did, all and all of the base endless spells would be gone. Because that's where they exist. Is actually yep. in the line sorcery. The cogs, Bailwind Vortex. No, is no, in they there. don't. N none of the rules for the base spells are in the Malign sorcery book. No, that, no, that's yeah. the, all the all the war scrolls for the base endless spells are in Malign sorcery. They're yes. not. Or, or no, that's or exactly what's go... not. It, it all there's pictures and narrative descriptions of all those spells in the Malign sorcery book, but no actual rules for oh, any right. of the spells. The, the box set yeah. came or, with all the cards. John is correct. He's wholly correct. There's yeah. like pretty images and a bunch of fluff. No war scrolls. You get well, cards say, that are war scrolls. I will yeah. say one thing that was interesting is the, the gaming book came with rules that like simplified all the realm rules and stuff. But there was one key missing rule because I was talking to a guy online. He's like, so how do you cast realm spells? And in Malign Sorcery, there's a section that says, all wizards know all spells. And they didn't add that to the gaming book. So if you didn't have Malign Sorcery, you wouldn't know how to use realm spells, even though they existed in the gaming book. Interesting. And so, um, hmm. But yeah, 
So I, I like that. The realm rules are a big thing for me. And I'm really excited for the two new battle plans. Um, it's, they did get rid of my least, my two least favorite ones only because of the lack of number of objectives. Duality of Death, my biggest problem with that was there was only two objectives. And so it was really easy to math cheat the game. Uh, it's hard for you to come back from a big win in the beginning just because there's not a lot of options to score. And so I think less objectives is worse for the game overall. And so that's why I'm glad those two. It, it, maybe they got rid of them for those two very reasons. You know, I, I also noticed that they have, um, as I mentioned, they have a, a three-way match play game. And it got me mm -hmm. thinking, Garrett, um, what if I wanted to run a three-way tournament where each round it was three people at the table with one advancing as a winner and then, of course, pairing people by – could I – could I do a three-way matching in uh, in BCP, or would I have to kind of customize that for myself? That is a fun question. Um, yes, I have recently built that to run Catan tournaments. It is not live yet. I've recently been building that today. Uh, so the answer is I have all the mechanics there, but they're built for games that actually have more than one person at a table. So but it'll be ready by the time it. we need it. Perfect. If you needed it, I could get it ready for you. It would require a bunch of weird things for me to it's customize for you. But yes. That might be a ways out anyways. That's awesome. I'm excited now. Because I have, done, I have done all the work to figure out how to implement that actually. Um, you know, outside of all of that too, you know, uh, I got to say, I was looking at things here. And one, a few other things that really stood out uh, were in match play. Um, not only, of course, the changes to the, uh, to the missions, but also, you know, of course, there's going to be difference in meeting engagements, but we don't really play meeting engagements. But then there's these, uh, you know, coalition matrices, but also the, the, they specify the coalition of death. And I'm Which really curious their, um, about that. that. That's team tournaments. It's, uh, so they talked about that in the article and in the video. Coalition of death. Oh, that might be why. Uh, the Coalition of Death is uh, like 2v2, and that's where the Matrix comes into play. Um, is like, so if you have two players against two players, and the two players bring different armies, how will they interact with each other? It's going to be based off the Matrix. And so, um, but yeah, but what's exciting about Coalition of Death is that people have been running doubles tournaments for a long time, and they've been having to kind of invent random rules about weird rules interactions, like, what if you bring two Blue Spike Git players? Do they both bring their terrain feature? If you play two legion the gash players do you get eight grave sites and there's two osiarch bone reaper players how you guys both have to yeah. take a giant nine inch square so yeah exactly and so um or like it, like do, do can i cast my buff spell on that just says a target oh. friendly unit on one of my opponents one of my allies units are yeah they, is, is my ally friendly? friendly is he an enemy yeah. oh yeah so those those sorts of rules have had to be um done manually by TOs at, the, at their own whims. Now we're going to get some more structure to it. Um, so I'm excited for that. I personally except, don't... except for the damn Skaven Matrix. They're contentious allies with Skaven. I got no allies. Sense, no that makes allies. sense though, right? It, it's like back in uh, 40k, uh, the ally Matrix, it was, I think it was like Dark Eldar was, no not Dark, it was one, there was a faction, was like Orcs or Chaos or something was Allies of convenience with itself. It's like, yes. Yeah, yes. so you can't like buff your, your, your opponent even though you're the same faction. Ah. Yeah, it's like, no, no, Skaven, hate, Skaven even <clears throat> hate each other. 
Or they're wary of each other. They don't wary. hate each other. They yeah. even mistrust even each other. I guess that's very fluffy. On the other hand, all the elves play together, so I'll be, I'll be okay. So that, this is reminding me of the old 40K days where you can have space marines of uh, battle brothers with Eldar and Dark Eldar, and it was just like, why is Eldar? Well, Eldar and Tower, allies Tau. of convenience. Yeah, battle space brothers. marines no, and Eldar Tau. and Tower were battle brothers back in 6th oh, edition. My bad. Battle brothers, yeah. you're right. Yeah, it was just like, you could attach crisis suit commanders to such an awful idea. That's actually how I met uh, Israel uh, was at the mm. Golden Throne tournament. He was playing Eldar Tau uh, allies against my uh, Raven Wing, uh, Death Wing, uh, Dark Angels list. <laughs> I got, I okay. got trounced. trounced yeah, oh. I, I mean, other than that, they're going to have the, I'm guessing, I don't think it's in the table of contents. What? Because they now release a separate book for it. it is it's the, probably going to be that separate little booklet change. with all the points cost. Yeah, I, I think I always thought yeah. yeah, Honestly, I'm super excited for that because I feel like the game's been a little stale and there's some very needed like points adjustments like, you know, Scourge Runner Chariots. They are way too cheap. Everyone yeah. knows they're too cheap. Um, uh, and then some Vermin Ver- Lord Warpseer needs to come down in price. Plague Monk's definitely... No, he's going up again, John. Verbal yeah. Arbseater, he's going up again. A fourth time, he's going to get a point height. They're, they're going to make sure nobody plays that army anymore. Uh, right? We gave you like, stuff, you bought the holes. now buy something else. Honestly, I, I forgot still, I forgot about how how much of an increase they got. They went from 260 and they're now 320 over two, di- two That's too much. Points. That's egregious. That is outrageous. I mean, uh, um, Manfred and... Uh, Neferata went from 420, and they're now down to 340. Yeah, so, they 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 just need a soul blight tone because yeah, it's like not... like seeing how Archon was redone. I'm like, honestly, you can make like you can't make Manfred 200 points. That would be too cheap. You can't make Nephew 200 points. They just need new rules. Like, yeah, they, redesign. That's it. They just need new rules. And yeah, Archon yeah, was done no. perfectly. Just well, think about it. Mo- these modern armies, rules. Exactly what John said. You know, these things have a the rules have a shelf life relevancy of only so long, even if they're good rules, you know, like they're, I mean, they're, they're actually the perfect examples. Uh, Man- Manfred, has, Manfred still has modified sixes on his spooky hands to do mortal limbs. Like oh, yes, it's exactly. really weird that like the entire night haunt faction, the spectral grasp is on unmodified six, except for Manfred and Neferata. Just those two. They're like, not. Nah, they're still modified sixes. So five plus one to hit fives minus one to hit. Never. And I'm like, this well, is- same, same goes for, uh, yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just do you guys have any predictions? Have- any, anything that you think are going to, you know, anything you're hoping for, whether it's something going up in points, down in points, John, what about you? Um, honestly, I, I have no hopes. Um, I've, <laughs> I've learned to become utterly disappointed with the treatment of Skaven after that beautiful battle tome they came out with. Um, if, if anything, uh, as you guys know, I've actually mostly been playing my Nurgle army lately, and I think that Nurgle, uh, there's some units that are running a little high in price as, compa- as compared to other equivalent types of units. And so if we're not going to get any War Scrolls uh, to update that Battle Tome, I think that a points adjustment could bring it uh, back into competitive line. So I, I would like to see that. And what's also possible is an adjustment to summoning rules for uh, Nurgle. Mm. Uh, inside of a general's handbook. So either one of those would be on my wish list, but I don't actually think I'm going to see either of those. So I can see some point drops for Nurgle. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some adjustments, bring them in line with some of the newer demon tones, but that's about it. Yeah. That'll be good. 
That'd be good. I would like you? to uh, Sylvaneth need something. I have. I don't know. Maybe Colonel Hunters need to drop like twenty points or something. Like they've got point drop in the last General's Handbook, and it just still feels just like. But they're the secret sauce for Sylvaneth. They might go up in points. <laughs> oh my gosh! But well, Colonel Hunters are the secret sauce. But it's like like bow hunters need to be like one sixty. Like, but what if Dryads just like drop in points? Yeah. Well, that, I was thinking about it. If Dryads dropped. 20 points and they're now 80 for 10 or 240 mm. for 30 like they would have to they would be 200 or 210 for 30 what about like, what if Draka just goes down in points she would she actually could probably drop like 20 30 20 to 40 points go down to 280 she's a little she has two she's 280 she's 320 oh she's oh no she's definitely going down yeah, yeah she, she needs to go down to elite um, of an army yeah it's just it's a very elite army i feel like it, it it, it doesn't have any mortal wound protection, and outside of Colonel Hunters, everything is a one wound model, and so it kind of dies really fast. Um, it doesn't perform as well as you would hope sometimes, but like they got a lot of tricks. So I could, I would like to see Sylvaneth get some stuff, um, and then obviously some of the newer battle tones, which aren't going to be in the General's Handbook, but at the next FAQ, like Zinch and Seraphon, like Salamanders need to go up, um, stuff like that, and then maybe some FAQs around uh, Zinch summoning and horrors in general. My yeah. next stuff. What about you, Alex? What are you looking forward to? Night Yeah, you know, I don't have that many expectations. I expect OBR will hopefully have some differentiation between their point costs. Almost everything's 200 points, like flat mm. 200. That's oh, not wow. Catalan. Um, it's scary that it's almost everything is just solid 200 points. So 10 for those Morgasts. What? Yeah, 210 for Morgas. My bad, my bad. They're almost 200 points. <laughs> it's just a little over. So I, I expect Morgas to go down. Stalkers maybe stay the same or go up. Mortec Guard are likely to go up. Uh, Harvester would not be shocked if he went up. Um, I don't think the characters are going to go up in points or down in points. Uh, Night Haunt, I can't see anything going up at all. I see things just going down or staying the same. Like, they're not going to ever change... Grimgast Reapers are at a point cost where they're not abusable. They're still usable, but you're not going to buy like 120 of them. So, you know, it's, it, I have no real expectations. Like John said, I think that he put it best. I'm just waiting to see it. I am excited about new missions. I'm excited about the new idea of the realm spells. I am worried about how, you know, Lumineth are going to work around this new meta with any sort of new missions, you know, especially since, you know, a lot of armies rely on certain malign sorcery aspects. My Nighthaunt army relies on Aether Court Brooch to, you know, refine command points so I can teleport everywhere. Uh, any sort of, uh, whether it's a destruction army, whether it's a legion and a gash army, a lot, uh, whether it's, you know, another army from another faction, a lot of uh, cities of Sigmar, even a lot of people use the ethereal amulet. That's clearly going to be something that's maybe going to go away. What are those players going to do when they no longer have it? And is that artifact going to be something that's going to be the one generic one? So you have to yeah. gamble a little bit. Um, a few other ones, because I was actually talking to some newer players the other day about the most popular artifacts in malign sorcery and things that came out were um you know uh, uh ethereal amulet aether court brooch 
Cliff Feather Charm, uh, oh, the Sword of Judgment, um, and then someone called it the Anime Sword. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I saw that on Twitter. Um, um, I think it was uh, oh, Heiwo. I do want, there's one thing. I remember what the, the Realm of Fire Relic was actually kind of cool. Basically, it gives you exploding sixes. So sixes a hit generate two hits. So it's like the, re the relics are obviously not going to be bad. They're not going to be amazing. They're not going to be awful. Uh, just, to, just to point that out there, it's just not like they're going to only give us sh one shitty relic. That's true. The That's true. It's just that reduction in number seems so radical. But nowadays, when that first came out, there there was less of that. Like all the battle tones weren't out, so everybody didn't have relics. So they yeah. needed more relics to offset. But now, I don't know if there's any battle tomes that are out still that don't have relics included so maybe it's less necessary to have Ser them in seraphon a was the last battle tome that needed to be updated and now that it was we literally have no unupdated armies. so yeah so then now there's a lot of stuff update the old yeah. yeah i mean we got the one one and a half 1.5 books like the legions of the gash uh daughters of cain deepkin and nurgle those four now need updates but they're in need of, but they were books written for 2.0 in 1.0 so they have relics and all that stuff there's yeah. no pre-Generals Handbook battle tomes out there that don't have allegiance traits or relics in it, or have only, there's not going to be any, so previously in Generals Handbooks, we had allegiance traits in the Generals Handbook to update those old factions. There's none of those anymore. No allegiance traits are going to be in the Generals Handbook. They don't need to. Oh. Every book has been updated. Then uh, yeah. R.A.P. Soulblight. No, Soulblight's in the Allegiance and the Gash book. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, shit. You're right. Yeah. No, I'm a total Mormon. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is in that book, isn't it? Shit. Yeah. yeah. The Legion of the Gash book just needs to go away, and we just need, like, a real book. Like, that book no, is... No, Legion of the Gash needs to exist for those players who want to play, like, old spooky monster mash, but, like... I think I think they should bring the Deathwalkers and Death Rattle stuff into a Vampire Council book. They should just make a Vampire Council book. Well, the they Death Rattle another fraction, make new model, a couple new, make two new models, a hero and a unit, and then re and then come out with new box art for all the other ones, and be like, "Cool, this is a Death Watcher Walkers army." I don't fucking know. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? We're really gonna have to see. Time will tell. Uh, I, when is the release of this General's Handbook? Is it this weekend? Because people were it's telling me it's going on. I heard it was, I think GW said it is going to be released this weekend, but I think they meant released on pre-order because I've never seen them not put something on pre-order. No, it, yeah. it says pre-order pre this weekend specifically okay. on the page. Yeah. Oh, yeah. got it. Okay, because people all day today were saying specifically, hey, it's actually coming out. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is shocking. On, on, I, sun, I on Sunday, they said next weekend, the General's Handbook is coming out. And we're like, huh? Coming out on pre-order is what they meant, which is what they said on Monday. Right. Yeah, on Sunday they said next weekend is coming out, and everyone was like, "But if you never put it on pre-order, that makes no sense." And so yeah. it's going on well, pre-order this weekend. Okay, so that is going on pre-order for all of our listeners out there. Uh, in addition to that, we do have uh, quite a big announcement to make. Uh, you know, we at the Wide World of Wargaming, specifically this Age of Sigmar uh, segment, we have been doing this for a little over. A year, and a, year and a half. Year and a yeah. half. And, you know, we've been able to provide you guys with a lot of good content for competitive play, for match play specifically, give you guys some insights on a little bit of lore. Uh, however, we are branching out a little bit more. And uh, with that, uh, you know, myself, 
John, Garrett, and Jeremy. We are going to be uh, moving to a new platform where we do want to share with you guys a lot more. We want to share with you guys not just the uh, great, you know, the content that you guys get out of this wide world of wargaming segment with competitive play, with matched play. We also want to provide with you guys with a lot of other mediums uh, uh, or a lot of other content, rather things like unboxing videos, uh, better battle reports than us just throwing up a live stream at the last minute on Twitch for Jeremy, <laughs> seeing me get salty as hell. Uh, we want to share with you guys um, Q&As, and we're going to be, we have a lot of different things that we have on our plate. So we are going to be moving on from that. And, uh, you know, we are going to be, of course, telling you guys a little bit more as we go on. But uh, John, can you tell them a little bit about you know name and sure sure so uh, we are going to be starting up our new uh, podcast and media network we're going to be in your phase going forward and uh, starting off we are still going to be a competitively focused podcast we are still the same people and we are going to be age of sigmar centric and focused but much as you've seen uh, over the last couple months uh, we do have some wider interests that are still centered on GW games. And so we would like a little more freedom to talk about uh, Warhammer 40K, uh, Warcry, you know, some of the other secondary games uh, that come out from GW, uh, really centered around our competitive gaming experience and, and Age of Sigmar in general. So the In Your Phase podcast will continue as is. And then as Alex mentioned, we're going to do a lot of other stuff. You know, a lot of people don't know, but uh, I actually have streaming rigs set up in my garage. Garrett has a streaming rig. Uh, so we have plans for all of us to do some more streaming, unboxing, and a, a lot more interviews and other stuff like that. So I, I'm really excited. Like I said, over the next few weeks, we are going to tell you more. Uh, this is not our last episode. Uh, we do have a few more ahead of us. I think Alex uh, could tell you a little more about that. But uh, I can tell you, I'm excited. Uh, I want to say more, but I'm not saying more yet. So Alex, <laughs> Alex, uh, shut me up before I say more. No, no, no. Frankly, I am uh, a little on the fence about what is or what is not enough information. But, you know, if you guys are regular listeners, you guys should definitely be excited. I think that you guys are really going to love the content that we have, um, you know, because you already love the content that you listen to on a weekly or biweekly basis. So we're going to have a lot out, a lot more out there for you. Uh, you know, there's going to be visual, audio, uh, mediums. Uh, we want to really interact with our listeners as well. So we're going to find ways to make that work. Uh, more community, more interaction, right? Exactly, exactly. So there is more to come, but it is going to be called uh, In Your Phase. And do look out for more information soon. You know, as, uh, as things start to go in that direction, fully expect us or expect to see any sort of posts on social media like Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, of course, uh, Instagram as well. You know, we're going to be uh, on Twitch. So do, do feel free to, uh, to, to check us out. And in the meantime, of course, you know, Wide World of Wargaming is still a great medium for X-Wing, for Age of Sigmar, for 40K, for Wargaming in general. So, you know, be sure to still, you know, like and subscribe uh, or, and, you know, of course, uh, on Facebook and Podbean or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. But we did want to share this information with you guys before saying goodnight tonight. Hey, let's phase out. Yeah, let's phase out. <laughs> See you guys later.